Um, I think that you're willing to say, you know, we don't have to do everything together or we don't have to agree on everything. And um, marriage encumbers, not encumbers, encompasses, excuse me, so much more than just, you know, the, the physicality and the fun loving and everything. And so you start to have different ways of looking at marriage where, you don't necessarily get unhappy, mm-hmm. certainly to the point of divorce, um, because um, you don't have these other things going for you or these other positive elements. Um, I don't want to say you settle. I don't mean that you settle. I mean you just – things don't irritate you so right. much. Yep. This week, can marriage success be predicted according to the age that you married? New research looked at marriage success data and found that there was a minimum and a maximum age when it would boost the likelihood of divorce, or prevent it, I should say. Dr. Karen Sherman weighs in. Stay tuned. No place I'd rather be than the here and now. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchedmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the brilliant, the original, Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Good to be with you. It's always great to hear your voice. Uh, Karen is a a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. She is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life, and is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information and more at her website, drkarensherman.com. Um, we are going to talk today, Karen, about a, uh, a new study that says basically that people who marry after a very, a very specific age are almost certainly like more likely to get divorced. This I thought was super interesting, and I can't wait to hear your take on it. So... Uh, Nicholas Wolfinger, a sociologist at the University of Utah, analyzed data collected between 2006 and 2010 from the National Survey of Family Growth and concluded that there is such a thing as waiting too long to get married. According to his findings, someone who gets married when they are 20 years old is 50% more likely to get divorced than someone who gets married when they're 25. So we haven't hit that age that I tease this with, but um, (laughs) this first finding is identifying an age that might actually be too young. Um, Do you have any specific thoughts on uh, 20 years old being too young and increasing the uh, likelihood of divorce? Uh, Yeah. You know, one of the factors that we have found that makes for a better marriage is when people are more educated 
um, that they are making decisions in a more informed way. And so when you're 20, you're still a little young. Um, Mm -hmm. You're probably more likely to be doing things out of emotion and not making such rational choices. Uh, It might be, you know, because you just are so attracted to the person or you feel that, you know, love will conquer all. Um, So we know that if you're too young, there is a higher chance of getting divorced. So that, you know, that part we've, we've explained Mm -hmm. in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, to your point about making rational choices, we also know that with brain development, that the Mm -hmm. rational part of the brain doesn't even mature until roughly the age of 26. Right. Right. And and obviously we know there's elasticity to the brain and it can always change, but the, the actual rational part, which is why, uh, kids and teenagers make very irrational, impulsive choices when they l- are less likely to do so at, at an older age. That is correct. And, you know, to your point, you know, I was saying that we know that education helps um, a more stable marriage, but there's all different kinds of education. It doesn't have to be the formal, you know, college years. Right. The point is experience in life, thinking things through, seeing what the consequences of your actions are. Um, and again, uh, as you said, your brain is not fully de- developed in that way yet. Um, and you just don't you just haven't lived life. So you may not know exactly what you want or, you know, know exactly what will happen. Um, if you're doing things in, uh, an inexperienced way. Right. Right. I mean, to, to the point that you just said about education, uh, not being necessarily a formal going to school type of education. When you think about the age of 20 and the likelihood that you are living together and absorbing that knowledge Mm -hmm. before you get married. How long could you possibly be living with that person before you get married? Two, three years tops. Um, most likely, most likely, most mm-hmm. likely right. Um, mm-hmm. whereas if you're 25, like you can easily have been living with the person five, six, seven, maybe even eight years Correct. before you decide to Correct. tie the knot and think of all the, <laughs> the data points that you would be able to collect <laughs> on the person after that much time together. So doesn't sound romantic, Steve, but it is accurate as far <laughs> as the data points. <laughs> yeah. I, I spend too much time in the, uh, tech journalism world. Um, okay. So, okay. I think we've explored why 20, uh, might run and you might run into roadblocks at that age. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, just like one, actually there's one last thing that I want to hit on with, uh, the age of 20. Um, you like at that age, you still don't know a lot of people, I should say, still don't know what they want to do, where they want to go, where they want to live. Mm-hmm. Do they want a family? Do they not want a family? What career do they want? What what do they even want to study or major in in college? Like that is still up right. for debate for 20-year-olds. So yes. to have that settled and then to make a permanent attachment to somebody um, at that stage when they might not have those things and to all the things that you've been discussing about the communication skills and all that other stuff – it's going to make it really difficult. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. So we got that out of the way. Okay. <laughs> number, number two, um, after the age of 25, each additional year that you wait to get married reduces the odds of getting divorced by about 11% until mm-hmm. you hit, and this is the magic number, thir- the age of 32. Mm-hmm. And then the trouble starts. 
um, what is it about those ages, 25, uh, and then going up to the age of 32 that increases your odds of success? I think there's a couple of reasons. Um, I think that um, the longer you are single, the more you get set in your own routine and what you want. And that makes it more difficult to blend with somebody else and create, you know, a a marriage. I think another possibility is um, that if you have been single for longer, there's a good chance, especially in today's society, that's not you know, um, so puritanical that you've been with a lot of partners and, um, because of that kind of style, shall we say, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to, I'm going to actually tell you something I learned in college. By the way, you don't want to, you don't want to say that because you have more data points. (laughs) (laughs) That you have a different way of thinking um, which might lead you to also be more willing to have affairs because you already have the kind of thinking that says it's okay to not necessarily commit just to one or two people, you know, that, that you were just going out, you had a long relationship, but the mindset is different. So let me explain. So are you really, uh, if I may interject really quick, so are you basically saying that you have taken the actions of intercourse off of the pedestal and it seems like a more accessible activity is, is that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's a good way to put it. So when I was in college, I remember we were taking a sociology course and the finding was that more people who, and remember I was back in college many, many years ago, more people that used marijuana at the time, and that's what we called it, marijuana, Mm -hmm. were more likely to have affairs. But it turned out that it was because, again, if you you think in terms of when this was happening historically, the people who used weed at that point were not traditional thinking people. Mm -hmm. They were willing to break with traditional ways of what's right and wrong. So if you had that kind of a mindset, you might also be the kind of person who would more be willing to go outside the marriage. Yeah. So, okay. So what I'm saying is that because at a later age, you're more likely to have more partners and think in those terms, it might not be so horrific to you to consider having an affair, mm-hmm. um, which of course obviously is going to make um, you know, put strains on the marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 was, want, I was just going to say the, the, ahead, the time comment on that. Yeah. No, the time frame that you're talking about, like, we literally called that the counterculture to your point of against mm, going against the grain. That's correct. That is correct. I was part of the counterculture because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I must confess I did smoke anyway. Okay. The other thing is and this is going to sound really yucky, but the other thing is that there are less available people as you get older. So the pickings are slimmer and you might not feel as happy with the person that you ended up with if you wait. Mm. 
So you think the reason that 32 becomes the cutoff is that becomes more, I mean, it's interesting that you say that too, because we know that the average ages of men and women, average age of marriage for women is 27 and Mm -hmm. for men it's 29 at last I looked, Mm -hmm. Um, which would mean that to your point, 32 as that cutoff, that's when they've had, you know, a year or two to realize uh, mm-hmm. or three, uh, to realize that like, Hey, the, the, the pond, the fish in the pond, there's fewer of them. Um, this is going to get tough. Is that is right? That, yeah. And, and, you know, I want to get married and so I'm going to marry this person, but it may be that there just wasn't the person that you would have ideally married. Right. And so therefore it's going to lead to being unhappy later on. I mean, so I'm like, just trying to think of every possible reason that, that that could be happening. So it's more of like when you get to that age, you then start to settle as opposed to choose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now I will tell you, and this leads into your next question when you, because the question is, you know, why do I think 32 is the cutoff? Mm -hmm. I'm a little surprised by that. Even with everything I've just said, I think 30, although they've got the data, right. um, I think, it would really have been a little bit older than that, like 33, 34. Yeah. I, I actually yeah. thought it would have been at least late 30s, like in the second half of the 30s would have been my guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I I can't answer why 32 is the cutoff. My, I really can't. I mean, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say my guess is by the time you're in your early 30s and like, I, you know... I, I feel like we could really fudge this number of 32 to go up and down a couple years in age, but in, in what I'm about to explain, but I feel, I feel like by the time you're 32, you know who you are, you know mm-hmm. what you want to do, you know, the type of lifestyle that you live. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you, to, if we, uh, collaborate with your concept of settling with my idea of, knowing who you are, you settle with somebody that's just not going to work that way. And so, mm-hmm. um, there will be almost instant clashes about how things should go forward because by then you've established a strong sense of self and it's going to be really difficult to, to, uh, work together from that point forward. That's again, that's just me spitballing off of what we've discussed. No, no, no. That was my first point that by that point I said, you, are settled in who you are. You've had your own way doing things. So that was my first point. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We agree. (laughs) Moving on. So uh, the, the thing that's interesting, um, and, and as you pointed out, uh, after the age of 32, the odds of divorce start going up again and the odds of divorce increase by 5% per year of age uh, at that, at, from the time that you get married and this trend line mm-hmm. only goes up. Does it surprise you that it actually only goes up? Like there's no flattening of like stability anywhere in that. I thought that was kind of surprising. Yeah, to me. it does. Yeah. It does surprise me because I do think that as you get older, um, you start to, Um, have different ways of looking at marriage. You don't necessarily have that idealistic um, sense that you have at much earlier ages of, oh, we're going to enjoy doing everything together and everything's going to be fine and everything. Um, I think that you're willing to say, you know, we don't have to do everything together or we don't have to agree on everything. And 
and um, marriage encumbers, not encumbers, encompasses, excuse me, so much more than just you know, the, the physicality and the fun loving and everything. And so you start to have different ways of looking at marriage where you don't necessarily get unhappy, Mm -hmm. certainly to the point of divorce, um, because, um, you don't have these other things going for you or these other positive elements. Um, I don't want to say you settle, I don't mean that you settle. I mean you just – things don't irritate you so right. much. Yeah. You, you come to live with them. So You pick and choose your battles. Right. Exactly. Thank you. So well, I am surprised that it doesn't flatten out. Yeah. I, I had another – like similar to you, I had another take on it slightly, which is we talk all the time about the seven-year itch. And mm-hmm. uh, the the and the reason why there is such a thing as a seven year itch ish right which which goes down to um, your bodily chemicals and how mm-hmm. you go from that fiery hot lusty right. romantic time in the relationship to the more stable bonding aspect of your relationship and that is reflected Correct. in the actual hormones that flow through your body as the relationship moves forward which gets into I think what you're trying to describe as like that stability type mm-hmm. timeline. And so for me, I was kind of surprised that, uh, particularly when you're late thirties, where you would think that you've probably had some sort of a career by then your education's locked in. You probably have the family started if that was part of the plan and, um, you have your bonding hormones kicked in. And so you would think at that point there would be some sort of like leveling off of, you know, the divorces, uh, the, the rate of divorce continuing to just climb and not tapering off somewhat, which also is like kind of counterintuitive to the longevity of marriage data that we have on divorces. So I feel like those two data sets actually don't match from what they're showing here. Steve, I don't remember in reading the two articles that dealt with this, how old were the oldest, um, participants in the study? I don't know how old the oldest were, but I do know that the trend line for the uh, divorce going up stopped. Uh, and I think it's probably because they just l- ran out of um, points where it could actually decrease. It stopped mm-hmm. in like the early to mid 50s, I think. Mm uh, so it didn't, it didn't like, cause, cause I, that was what I was looking at. I was looking to see like, well, how far down does this go before it plateaus? Mm-hmm. And it was like, it just stops. It just, it's almost like it decreases 5% every year until there's no, there five, there's no 5% left. And then it just, boop, wow. just stops. So, hmm. um, yeah. So anyways, I, I, um, yeah, I kind of take this, uh, that part of this trend line with a bit of a grain of salt. Cause I just don't. Yeah. I just don't think it matches with a lot of the other data that we have seen about divorce and divorce trends in this country specifically. Okay. So now I want to say something. Maybe I'll make this my final comment. Okay. <laughs> that, although we still have one more question, um, as a sort of warning to people that just because an article appears in a journal and it's a study 
does not mean that their findings are accurate. There are so many different ways that data can be interpreted or not gathered properly, whatever, that can have the results look a certain way. And then it turns out that it's not really reflective of, you know, the statements they've made. So, you know, let's just take this study in particular. If you read it and you say, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm 32 and now I'm really done because mm-hmm. look at these, you know, these results. I wouldn't get nervous. I wouldn't say, oh, you know, you're doomed. I think that there is cause for everybody to question um, and be critical thinkers of when they, they read material in the media. Yeah. I think that, I mean, it's, it it really comes down to, uh, literacy, not necessarily like being able to read, but being able to understand. Um, and I, I want to, I'm very sensitive when it comes to media literacy (laughs) and media being attacked Mm -hmm. for people not Mm -hmm. having any kind of like media literacy skills and saying the Mm -hmm. media is the problem because, uh, that just drives me up a wall. Um, but I do think, did you think that that was what I was saying? No, I don't. I just, um, I just get hyper sent, like I'm, I get attacked all like, this is, this is my world. Right. And so I get attacked all the time about how the media is the problem for everything. And so I take it very Mm -hmm. personally. Um, and, and I, and I will be the first to admit that the media has a lot of problems and it's not perfect. And there are many things that they could be doing better. Okay. But I think when we look at these kind of studies, good ones, at least, even if they're not quote unquote, right, they can Mm -hmm. be informative, right? Like they can tell us something. They might lead us to the actual answer. It's a map and it might not be the right map or the most accurate map, but it might let us know that there is a continent on the other side of that ocean. And so, um, I don't like, and I, and I don't think this is what you were saying to like dismiss this, but I do think it's important to understand that like a lot of these things, while not perfect, shouldn't be dismissed because they're not 100% accurate. There might be some good, accurate information within it. That's all. Yeah. My point was not so much with media because I, I, I really want to be clear about this. I think it has more to do with people's perception that when they see a study or when they hear that somebody right. has a certain title, that it's like, oh, okay, fine. Whatever they say is accurate. Right. And don't undermine yourself and your own knowledge and just assume that because there is, quote, a study that was done, that you now have to, um, you know, say, I- I'm, I'm really at a dead end or I'm really in trouble or whatever else. Just be critical about it. Think yeah. about it. That's all. It was yeah. not the media. It was more the way we perceive or give credibility to when there's research or, you know, I'm going to tell you, and, and I'm going to be very honest here. I will have a different reaction if I go into an office and I announce myself as Karen Sherman as opposed to Dr. Karen Sherman. Mm-hmm. When I use doctor, people respond differently to me. Oh, she's a doctor. Okay. So I'm using that example as a way of the point I'm trying to make. Right. Um, Just because research is done or just because someone has a certain title, don't undermine your own ability to think, think things through. Right. Right. And to question. 
Right. And, and uh, one last point on this. And even if they do happen to find something that is accurate, it doesn't necessarily mean that it applies to you specifically or personally. Because Correct. you, you yes. might not fall within the parameters. There are so many that's variables. Right. So that's right. It. Okay. Um, okay. So then the last thing is most of our listeners uh, are already married. So while this might have been a fascinating, fascinating podcast for them to listen to, um, <laughs> it doesn't apply to them. Um, so they won't need to worry about this. But to what we were just saying, they're not going to be able to change how old they were when they tied the knot. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing all of this, is there anything from this study that they can use for their own marriage, knowing that they got married at 22 or 36? I think that to your point about, we can always glean information from studies, even if it's not 100% perfect. And so let's say you're 36 and you have read this study. And there's some stuff that's just not feeling great to you. You know my answer. Talk about it. Discuss Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the biggest issue for most couples is that they don't communicate properly. And I don't just mean talk to each other. But truly make themselves available to expressing what they're feeling and being open to hear what their partner is feeling. And I think that if you do that, um, that's going to bring you much closer together. And, you know, as you said, you can't change at what age you got married, but you can change the way you um, work with each other mm-hmm. and and discuss, you know, what what differences there may be. Yeah, I think that's great. I, um, I actually don't have anything to add to that. I think that was a perfect uh, point to end on. Um, so we will wrap this up. Thank you so much for your time, Karen. It is always a pleasure. And, uh, this was a fun, this is a fun little, uh, study to talk about. Thank you so much for sending it over, by the way. I appreciate it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. We are going to call this one a show. So I want to remind you before we, uh, log off here that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, a relationship expert, uh, uh, a psychologist who is an expert in relationships (laughs) and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of mindfulness and the art of choice, transform your life. She is the co-author of marriage magic, find it, keep it and make it last. And she has all this information up on her website, drkarensherman.com. You can of course find this information on our website, hitchedmag.com where we have thousands and thousands of articles available to you for free. We have the entire podcast archive up available for you to listen to. We also have a free newsletter that goes out each Monday evening that you can sign up for in about 30 seconds. That is also free. Uh, And if you like and or appreciate any of this information that we're providing, we would greatly appreciate if you, uh, ranked us on um, the podcast player that you're listening to us on uh, or left a review of some sort uh, to help uh, grease those algorithms so that people know that we are a uh, source of interest for you that will um, encourage others to listen as well. So that will do it for us this week. Thank you so much one last time. And until next time, take care, everybody. We look into each other's eyes. We know that it's Now we know it's go time And it's about to Let's smoke